You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the mystery of the church. Not everybody saw the coming of the church and saw what it was. In fact, nobody did. Even the apostles didn't fully get it. It was Jesus who opened up their ideas to this thing called the church. They still did not fully get it or understand it, but he took them on a journey until they were ready. And let me turn you to the book of Acts chapter 1, and we read the account of Luke who wrote the book of Acts, and he said, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. So he's saying, I I, I started talking to you about all this when I wrote the Gospel of Luke until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. I love that. God does things that have infallible proof. If you have to help God and make something up and claim something as a miracle when it really isn't, that's not doing anybody any good. God is in the business of providing infallible proofs. He was seen alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, 40 days from the resurrection uh, uh, till 40 days later. That's how long he was on the earth. He appeared and disappeared, appeared and disappeared, but he was developing his church during that time. Uh, The scripture says he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they had a promise of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, And he's telling them, it's going to be done in Jerusalem, don't leave the city. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, the church had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for its supernatural mission. We represent Christ. Christ did supernatural work. He preached supernaturally. He did supernatural things. And though none of us will be able to do everything that Jesus did or even close to what Jesus did because we only have a measure of the Holy Spirit. 
according to John, he had the Holy Spirit without measure, meaning all the Holy Spirit there was to have, everything that's on the body of Christ around the world, it was put into Jesus when he was here on the earth. That's why every time he turned around, uh, there was a miracle happening. Uh, John said that if all that he did were written down, the world couldn't contain the books. Another thing he said was, these things are written that you might believe. In other words, he's saying, if I told you everything, you probably wouldn't believe it. So I'm only going to tell you a little bit of it. And really, what we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a smidgen of what he did. It's unbelievable what he did. The daily things that happened. Sometimes it says great multitudes came to him and he healed them all. There may have been as many fantastic stories of healings in those little simple sentences, and he healed them all, as in all the individual stories that are written. But those individual stories are enough to capture and convey the essence of what Jesus did, how he did it, they were just other things of the same kind. It was just more of what he had been doing. Nothing new that we need to know. Now, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he called them to be witnesses. He's saying Tell what you have seen and tell what you have heard. That's what being a witness is. You know what? A lot of us don't accept the fact that we have a lot to tell. We know more and have been exposed to more and we've heard more. We've seen more than what we sometimes realize. You know, I, I have to stop and think about this. There are things that I know that people near me would love to know, are hungry to know, but don't know. Sometimes we think that we don't have anything, and the whole time we have something great. And so I will tell you this, that what you have becomes greater when you tell it. i got to tell you this story. When, when I first started traveling and teaching people about children's ministry, Way back there, oh, gosh, this was about 1978. I started actually traveling, telling people what I knew about how to teach kids. I thought, how in the world will I do this? And I had 12 classes that I taught at a Bible school here in the city. And uh, I did it three times a year, 12 classes, so uh, 36 times over the year. Uh, and I repeated what I did tw uh, uh, twice in each class. So, um, so anyway, I've got these 12 classes, and I thought, how will I ever come up with 12 classes worth of material? So I sat down and began to catalog all the things that I thought were important and what should I communicate to these people and how will I lay all this stuff out. Anyway, I came up with 12 simple lessons to teach. It blew me away. After two or three times of doing those 12 lessons, I was wishing I had way more time. Because you give, and it shall be given unto you. My material begin to grow. Anything that you give out, you get back more in return. You give, and it shall be given to you. Teaching of the Word is the same thing. You want more, you tell more. I t people tell me all the time, where do you get all those stories? I'll tell you where I get them. I tell stories. When I... Tell stories, I have the uncanny ability to see more stories. Loads of people have stories, they just never see them. They never think of what they're seeing as a real story that could help somebody. I have the ability to see stories. And the reason that I have the ability to see stories is because I tell stories. <clears throat> and so what you give is what you get. 
And so that's what Jesus is saying. Start telling what you've seen. And so I'm sure that every one of those apostles uh, had stories to tell of what they had seen Jesus do. Some meant more to them than others. Uh, For instance, there were nine of them who couldn't say a word about the Mount of Transfiguration because they weren't there. The only three guys who got to see Jesus transfigured were Peter, James, and John. So they told the stories they knew. There are people around you who are hungry for the things that you take for granted. Now remember that. Now, they ask a question of the Lord while they got him here on the Mount of Olives. He's about to go up and they ask him this dumb question. And it tells me they had no idea what was about to come. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, I say it's a dumb question. Actually, it's an important question. God is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. We've talked about it already in this series, the restoration of the nation of Israel. But it wasn't going to happen anytime around 30 AD. In fact, the temple was going to be destroyed and the land was going to be uh, conquered totally by the Romans. The Jewish people were going to be scattered. Jerusalem was going to be wiped out and destroyed. And so all of this had to happen. Jesus prophesied all that. Other prophets had prophesied it. It was coming. And so they're focused on, is this going to be the glory time for Israel? And and actually, it's not going to be. So God doesn't go into all these terrible details. He instead focuses them on what it is they need to be doing, because what they need to be doing is building something different. And here's what it was. This is their mission. It's what Jesus had said to them. And I'm reading something I've read before in this series. When Jesus asked the apostles, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Matthew 16, 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, you have experienced revelation knowledge, Peter. I have been, you have had this word revealed to you. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, and he's referring to the rock of revelation. He's saying, you're a little rock, but there's a big rock. And the big rock is the rock of revelation knowledge. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's the mission right there. I'm going to build the church. And so they're wanting to know Is this the time you're going to restore the nation of Israel? And Jesus is saying, guys, that's not my purpose for you. Oh, the nation of Israel is going to be destroyed, but I'll take care of that. That's not your mission. That'll happen long after you're gone. What's going to happen now is you're going to build the church. The building of the church is the most important mission for them and for us as well. Restoring Israel was a part of God's plan. We don't belittle that. Very important, very important part of what God wanted to do. But for us... The primary purpose and mission is to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? They had absolutely no idea about what they were about to become a part of. Now, they are focused on a time, and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the nation of Israel, the national sovereignty of Israel? You're going to drive out the Romans and put down your kingdom and be the king here. Is this what you're going to do? Uh, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am, you may be also. He did. He departed. He was dead for three days, three nights. Maybe they're thinking, okay, he's already come back, and now we're going to live with him in glory. 
but they had to learn. No, there was a timing to this. It wasn't the time for that. He's going to go away. So he is telling them that the redemption won't come in their lifetime. It's not for you to know these times or seasons because it's not going to happen in their lifetime. So he points them again to the mission in hand. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. That's what he said to them. Now, what I want you to see in all of this is they didn't have a really clear picture of the glory that was about to descend on them. They could not have known. They may have anticipated a little bit of it, but they could not have known. There's no way they knew it all. That in 10 days' time, they were going to see 3,000 people come to Christ and be born again in one day. They had no way of knowing that this was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. They had no way of knowing that they were going to be as bold as lions in front of the very leaders who, who pushed for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They had no idea. But they would do it and do it without fear. They were blown away when it all happened. It was amazing how everything began to come. But it was a mystery. And it unfolded one step at a time. Listen to me. God leads us in steps. He doesn't always give you the whole picture in a step. He may give you a step with a little bit of insight that you take that step and another step will appear and another step will appear and it is through following the steps that you begin to see the full picture. You don't get the whole picture at the first step, nor did they. They had to learn it by faith. They had to step by faith into this thing that God had for them. Now, after he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. That's Acts 1-9. He was caught up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus became only the third person ever to be caught up to heaven. The first was Enoch, and that's in Genesis 5. The second one was Elijah, that's in 1 Kings. And the third person is Jesus Christ. He is the third person to be caught up. And the Bible says, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I believe there were angels. It says two men, but they, uh, angels are portrayed as men. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And, and now, uh, it, it's only natural to think that as, they, that as he went up, that uh, they would have to look up. I'm sure they're looking up there. <laughs> but the idea here is 30 minutes later, they're still standing there looking up. It's like, okay, how long? And, 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 and that's the idea. And they appeared and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So they needed to go focus on their mission. Now, this is something I've seen as a pastor. I love, I absolutely love Bible prophecy. I have studied Bible prophecy since I first became a follower of Jesus Christ. My uncle was a pastor. He had me move into his home. I lived in his library, which was the basements where I had a little bed. I had a little pull-out bed, and just a few feet from me was his entire study library. 
And I, we didn't have a television. And so I went over and pulled out the prophecy books. I was drawn to them. I was drawn to the book of Revelation. I read that stuff. I looked it up in my Bible. I studied it. I became familiar with it. Uh, we had people who taught prophecy. We heard prophetic things. I heard uh, and read books. And, but at the same time, I never forgot the mission. Now, this is important. I've noticed a tension between people who really, really love prophecy, get into prophecy, and mega churches. And, and you'll hear this a lot. The prophecy people will criticize the mega church leaders, and the mega church leaders will have nothing to do with the prophecy guys. And it's, it's sad, really. And I, I, and I know why. Because prophecy people have a tendency to be gazers. And I, I can totally understand it. It's so interesting. If you're not careful, you get caught up in it. And all that matters to you is you look for an event or a sign or a stage being sent, set. And you'll see things that God said would come to pass. We've already seen several in the last 50 years that have happened before our eyes. Things where the stage is being set for prophecies to be fulfilled. However... I also have a mission. And let me show you what Jesus taught us that we're to do. This is found in the Gospel of Luke, and it's a parable Jesus gave. And I'm going to begin reading in chapter 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now think about that. They're all thinking, though it's about to come right now. He's about to become the king of glory. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, he was saying to them, this is what it's going to be like for me. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, occupy till I come. And that's our job, occupy. Now, I'm occupied, but I glance and I look and I glance and I look, but I'm still occupied. And that's how you bring balance to the study of the prophetic scriptures and do the work of Jesus. Don't get in either ditch. There are a lot of people who say, you can't understand prophecy. You're going to be crazy if that's all you study. You'll be no earthly good. I don't agree with that. I think you can be wonderfully effective if you study prophecy. But on the other hand, don't become so fixated on it that it's all you think about. I'm a glancer and I'm an occupier. I'm glancing all the time, looking for his return, living with that in mind, and at the same time, I'm doing the work. And that's what Jesus taught us to do. Well, my time is done for today, but we're not done. I'll be right back here tomorrow to wrap up this week's teaching. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.